Welcome to the Growing Your Financial Business, the Woman's Way podcast. I'm Robin Crane, and I was a financial advisor for over a decade. But before that, I was a singer-songwriter. And now, even as a mom of three with a teenager, toddler, and a baby, I run a seven-figure business helping women in financial services grow their businesses and make a bigger impact. In this podcast, I'll bring you financial advisors, industry influencers, and highly successful entrepreneurs to give you innovative strategies designed for women. So get ready to learn how to get in front of the right people, get more ideal clients, and be able to grow your ideal business so you can live your ideal life. Welcome to Growing Your Financial Business, The Woman's Way. I'm Robin Crane here with Diane Manuel. Diane has actually been a client of mine for, do you know how long it's been? I don't even know. A long time. Long time, which is probably like a year or two, two years, probably, I don't know, something like that. But Diane, I've worked together and I'm so excited to bring her on because she's always such a joy to be around and so fun, but also kind of like a no BS kind of gal, like move over everybody. Like I'm going to, I'm going to do what I want to do, but behind all that, just like everyone, there's, there's fear, like fear among us. And we were talking about, you know, what do we want to bring to the table that's real for people? Because as a financial advisor herself, um, Diane's really experienced this firsthand being a financial advisor, growing her business, in, and she'll tell you a little about her her background and her path. But um, we wanted to bring that to you because you've you've embraced fear in so many ways and and able and able you to grow your business. So welcome, welcome, Diane, to the podcast. Thank you, Robin. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Okay, so let me ask you. So yeah, tell us a little bit about your your background and, and how you got into financial business to start anyway, because everyone has a nice story. This was a second or third career for me. I was working in philanthropy. I have an MBA. I was interested in the field from years previous to my entry, but it was more of a stock trading business. So when it started switching over to financial advising, I decided to take the plunge and I ended up at Merrill, which was a disaster because it was just a bunch of old white mean dudes. And did you say, I was there did you say, way too long. Did you say old white? What's that? Did you say old white meat dudes? Mean. Yeah. Mean, M-E-A-N. Yeah. I swear, I swear you, I, I thought you said old white meat. And I was like, well, that's another way to put it. So, so they were old white mean men, not white meat, although it sounds delicious, uh, at Merrill Lynch. And it was horrible. So tell us a little bit about that. It was a space where people didn't speak to me. And imagine going to work all day long. No one speaks to you. Um, you're in the elevator together. You're in the parking lot together. It was just terrible. And I had come from organizations and companies where that wouldn't even be allowed. Like you would be fired for not having some sense of camaraderie. Um, there was a person of color who was in charge of, of our uh, office and all of those dudes hated her, just hated her. And when she was finally removed from that position, the office applauded when that email went out. If you can imagine oh my God. how terrible that is. So luckily, not soon after that, I was able to go to another firm, uh, independent RIA, run by a Black woman who had been in the business for years. She had been at Smith Barney, and she was getting tired of their madness, too. So I'm here in LA at a firm that's all women and all women of color. So we're 
pretty unique in the industry. We're SEC registered independent RA. So it's, it's great. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So let's dive into this fear thing. So you went Merrill independent um, and you've been there for how long? Maybe five years. Okay, cool. Cool. Yeah, we clearly are not great with time here. Uh, so it might have been 20 for all you know. So tell us, can you remember, I mean, even in the last couple of years, and we've been working together during that time, but what what thing, can you remember certain times, like if you can paint the picture for us of where you you were really scared? I mean, really scared and, and what that was like, because I think a lot of us, including myself, you know, when I was an advisor, and of course, now all the time, like I experienced fear and I've found that the more I just like head straight on and go for it and, and, you know, headbutt it <laughs> in the face, essentially like the, the more that I get out of it, because I, not only do I grow, but typically that risk pays off. So can you give us some examples of times when you were really fearful and that um, it paid off? Sure. So at Merrill, of course, that was a space where it's just assets under management, right? You're just collecting money. At the firmament now, we're doing financial advising. And although I did that at Merrill, to be paid to do that um, is a whole nother story. And so I was like, what are these conversations I'm supposed to have with people who don't have assets? And basically, I want them to pay me to help them. And so that probably took, after many conversations, it probably took six to eight months to get my first financial advisory client. And I remember when the woman came on board and I was so grateful, but I, every time I talked to somebody, whether it was on the phone or in person, I just was unsure of the conversation. And, you know, how much data do I collect? Because that was what I knew from assets under management, you're collecting data. You know, what's your income? How much money do you have in your IRA? What are your investment accounts? You know, those type of questions. I didn't know really how to ask other questions. And so every time I was on the phone with somebody or they were in the office, I didn't really know what to say to them. But I just kept trying things out and it just kept getting better and better until I found you and that was just exponentially better. But it was literally fear every time I looked at a, a at a new prospect and and didn't know what to say to them. So that's very kind of you to say it was exponential. And that's great. And I know you said in the last couple of years, you've grown your business 20% every year, year after year. So that's amazing. Congratulations on that. Um, what was it specifically, since they don't know necessarily listeners, like what, what you had, like what changed, what helped you get over that fear or embrace that fear or dance with that fear to allow you to get over that hump? Because if it, you're saying six to eight months where you could charge and not everybody can charge, but you can think of plenty of examples of fears that I'm sure many advisors have, whether they charge or not. But the, it's kind of like asking for the sale, whether it's asking for the money or asking for the assets or asking for them to, to buy a plan. There's that, that fear around asking for the sale. So what what was it, what was helpful for you specifically that we can give to, to the listeners that really allowed you to get past that? Because, and we can talk about you know, any specific thing I can. I think for me, um, the concept of this being mission-driven work, like what do you really what do I think I'm bringing to the table? Do that assessment personally and be willing to share that with anyone I'm talking to. So whether it's a identified prospect or not, 
like, this is what I do. You know, I want to work with women to help them be, you know, efficient and effective with their money. I think there should be a movement of all the women in the United States who should do that. I may or may not work. I won't work with everyone and that's okay. But I still think there should be this movement. And when I say that to people, they're like, well, I want to be a part of that. And to really instill this concept of, oh, I can get on board with Diane and this movement in a variety of different ways, whether they become my client, whether they read my blogs, they follow me on social media. And the minute I could say that to someone, they were like, oh, well, that's amazing. Even if you can't help me, I know someone you can, you can help. And I think that piece moving away from the data and having these qualitative conversations about what women want when they say financial freedom and what they mean is they want opportunities, they want options, they want to be able to do what they want to do on their own timeline and understanding what that means and me putting in place uh, a roadmap for them to do that. It, for many people, not everyone, that sounds like an amazing opportunity that they will pay for. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a couple things there. So I think one, a shift in mindset. So one is that you said mission driven. So to me, that's partly recognizing like in your mind, how valuable you are. And I always talk about getting really clear on who's the one person that you want to clone. Like, who do you want to help? Who's the person or the people? But like, when you think of one person, it, it allows you to really imagine helping and serving that person and changing that person's life when it's theoretical and all so many people, even especially if it's like many, many target markets, like we're just talking about everyone. Oh, I can help anyone, everyone. Of course you can but everybody is different. And so who is the person that you would really be best at helping? So one, I think you got really clear on that and then owned that, like it's not bad, you know, whereas so many, especially Merrill Lynch, yes, they're targeted to high net worth clients, but that's about all, right? Which is, could be everyone in that group where it's just still really no one to me. So you being really clear about helping women being on this path, especially, you know, you focus on helping African-American women, women of color, that was definitely, you know, a, a focus for you as well. And so having that mission behind it, like, this is who I want to help and that they need me. That's just a mindset thing, right? That's who I want to help. What you said second, well, you didn't say exactly how you did it, but I, I recognize the language is that you can communicate that well with your message and your messaging. And I often say that the industry doesn't even know, is very unfamiliar with the word messaging and messaging drives everything. Like the only thing that's going to drive someone to want to talk to you, to meet with you, to work with you are their beliefs right? That drive those behaviors and what drives beliefs? Messaging. So what you just said is, is kind of similar to what we talk about as the, what, what we call the audio logo. It's like I, who you work with, what their challenges are, and then the, the results that you help them with. And it sounds like you kind of just got that ingrained in your skin of this is, this is like, th this is my mission. It, not only did you say that, but you also came up with something even bigger that it wasn't all about you. That's a, that's a movement. It's not just a mission anymore. It's a movement and a movement means we got to do this together. Like no one is in a movement by themselves unless they're having a bowel movement. 
other than that, <laughs> they're, they're not in a movement, right? You have to have multiple people around. So you are creating this movement and owning it. And then people want to be part of that. And you have a very infectious personality anyway, where, cause you're, you get passionate about something and you're like, this is, this is like, let's do this. Like it's very infectious. People want to be part of that. So I can see that. And I've, I've seen that um, as you grow your business. Can you tell me like, I love to think of like the moments because it doesn't sound like you're afraid of anything. Okay. Where so this is about, you know, getting sideswiping your fear. Like this is about being able to um, embrace that, that fear, regardless uh, of whether it exists always, because it always will, but you don't sound fearful. Like, I don't believe you. And so can you tell me a, a time or a couple of times where you're like, I was freaking the F out because I didn't know what to say, or I didn't know what to do or something else where you just felt like there was just like almost like, you know, when you feel like you're blushing and you're like, please, please tell me like no one's noticing. Are there times like that you can tell us about where you truly felt like you wanted to run, but instead you, you didn't? So I mostly work with women and even if they're in relationships, the woman is taking the lead. Um, recently, I got quite a few um, couples, um, men, women, two women, okay, but men, women, kind of just freak me out because I don't know the dynamic that I'm stepping into. And, and although even on my LinkedIn, I talk about being a black woman and what this means in the financial industry, you know, I'm getting couples, a diversity of couples, a, a diversity of ethnicities. So I have a couple who don't know me. I don't know them. See, and the guy emails me and says, hey, let's change the date because I want my wife on the phone too, on the Zoom. And I was like, okay, fine. I'm kind of freaking out because I don't know what this is. He's taking the lead. He knows I serve women. So I'm calling my therapist friends. What do you do with couples? Like, like what, do you, what do you do? Like, how do you handle that? And they're like, oh yeah, you gotta be careful. You know, don't let the guy take charge. Make sure you talk to the women, but don't equivocate. That was their big thing. Don't equivocate. Don't say soft words like maybe or probably or like, yeah, I called in everybody I knew that worked with couples. Like, how do you do this? And I went through my, my protocol that, you know, mostly I got from you and went through and I so now I say at the beginning I have a protocol I'm going to ask a set of questions if you don't mind and I believe that all the things you want to tell me you'll be able to share and if not at the end please feel free to add we went through the protocol and um I felt fabulous at the end it was I was scared the whole time but the cherry on top was when the woman said, you're right. You, everything I wanted to say, I've said. Thank you so much. Aww. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, after two years of practicing, and that's how you get over the fear, is practicing. Whether or not they become a client or not, that was the perfect interview and interaction. Mm -hmm. It's taken me two years all this practice to get to the perfect interview and they became clients like in one call you know even though we had scheduled another meeting book a meeting from a meeting you know the 
the husband emailed me and says, hey, we're on board. What do, you, what do we need to do? And, uh, but to, and I realized it just takes practice just over and over to get to a point where I feel absolutely comfortable answering these questions, anticipating those follow-up questions, because I've really listened. And I've listened to so many people. I know how to dig a little deeper. And to, everyone has a story, you know? And that's what's key with couples, because each person has an individual story to tell that maybe even the other person in, in the couple hasn't heard. And, you know, it's, it's amazing. Like I talked to a CFO of, 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 a, of a private foundation and company. And, and she says, you know, when I was 20, I filed for bankruptcy. And then she said, I don't think anyone, I've ever said that out loud. And to get to a point where she's like, yeah, my credit is almost 900, whatever it is, and I'm running this company. And, but when I was 20, I was a mess. And that's when you know, when I knew, it's like, okay, practice, practice, practice. And you get to a point where um, you're, I'm not as scared, but every time I'm on a call with a new person, you know, I, I have to just take a breath. It's performance, you know, and how actors say you need that little bit of fear when you're on stage or when you're in front of the camera because that's what motivates you. That's living in that little anxious space helps you perform. And that's, you know, I'm a Hollywood girl. I'm an LA girl. I grew up here. And that's the space I, I live in. I'm like, okay, if I'm going to be, you know, Julia Roberts, or Taraji P. Henson or whoever, that little bit of anxiety is good and live with that to get to the other side. Yeah, it was reminding me, I'm I was trying to think of when you were telling me that, like, when did I last have a lot of fear? <laughs> and Because I, I do have little bits of fear. I, I think you get more and more used to it. Like you said, you're kind of always living with it, but there's definitely the the more, of course, the more you stretch outside your comfort zone, the more it comes up again. And I do feel like for me, especially, and I think this is all women. And, and I mentioned this a lot because I work with women all the time is that I think the, the number one fear is that fear of judgment. Um, and so it's like, well, when are the times that I feel like they're, I'm really, really scared it's typically because I'm scared of judgment. And I, I know you participated in this, but we recently, um, a few months ago, launched a new challenge called the Appointment Generator Challenge, called the Tag Challenge. And the first one we did, it, we had about 100, it was kind of like to my list and you know, people who mostly, not all knew me for sure, but it was some warm audience. And then we had about 100 women there. And I think it was, yeah, some, something like 100. The second, and I was like a little, it was new, it was more like, I was so busy working and getting it already that I didn't have that much time to be very scared. And once I get on, I'm on and I kind of forget anyway. But the second challenge, we had 250 women and I was telling Ashley, my COO, and I was like, I am scared. I'm really scared. And like before I went on and when I was getting ready and I know knowing that 250 women were there and I'm like, Ash, I just did this like three weeks ago and I know all this content. I have it already. Like this is way less work because it's all ready to go this time. It's not new. I've already done this. 
I'm like, why am I so scared? And she's like, I don't know. What do you think? You know, she, she's good at bringing it back to me. Um, Ashley just like supports, like, she's like, what do you think? And I was like, you know what I think it is, is that now there's 250 women who could get mad at me because what if they're, cause they're scared. And I realized this in the first challenge, I'm giving them this new strategy. That's very outside the box. It's very different. They have to really stretch outside their comfort zone. They got to, you know, put themselves online, take more risks, do things differently. And, and even during that first challenge, there were some ladies who got some pushback from someone, Oh, you're trying to, you know, sell me or something like that or, or whatever. And then I immediately get scared because if they get feel judged, then I'm scared. They're going to say, Oh, you're teaching us something that, you know, makes us uh, put, you know, whatever makes people judge us. And I'm like, oh my gosh, there's 250 women now who could possibly say, um, you suck, right? You're not, this isn't good. And mostly because they're scared, not because I really do suck, but their fear, it's like projected on my, on me, scared me a lot. And, and we didn't even have, I don't think really hardly any complaints or anything, but I just realized that it was that pressure of, I don't want to disappoint anyone. And when you're in this space where you can impact, you know, so many people, and here we are in a podcast, who knows how many, how many listeners we'll have, but like, there's always like that, you know, in talking Julia Roberts and, and famous people, there's, there's all this possible judgment that could be on with social media and this and that, that I think even today, more than ever, we are taking a lot of risk because we, if we're in the limelight to any degree and as a business owner, you have to be, or you're going to, you're going to die. Like, so there's, there's just so much, so much, I think just fear of judgment around there. And so that made me very, very nervous. And I think it pretty much when I think back of other times when I was just extremely scared besides, besides maybe like, you know, jumping off a cliff, that's scary to me. That makes me very nervous. I didn't bungee jump, but I did go on a cliff and do like a like a jump with the bungee cord that wasn't head first. So I felt like it wasn't as scary, but I was scared. Okay. That wasn't a judgment thing. That was real fear. Like that was just, I'm going to die. But other than that, mostly it's, it's judgment. <laughs> Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And that's one reason I tell my clients. And then I say, Diane, to do what you tell your client is forget the judgment. Start, start right now just begin. In fact, I'm doing a whole social media thing this week. It's just the thing for the week is to start. Because if you don't change your behavior, and we can think about things. My theory is this. Women, all women are fiction writers. Because the stories we tell ourselves could be made into movies. Every single day of the week because we can think about oh my gosh if I do this then this can happen and then this can happen and so and so is going to say this and oh my gosh it'll be terrible and that you know and they're never happy endings never happy endings and you're like why don't you just do something and let's see what happens and I think it's what you've said or somebody has said to me that change and growth only comes at the margin. So if you don't realize it's the journey and not the destination, you're never gonna go down and define your roadmap. It's not gonna exist. You have to get in the car, put it in gear, and point it in a direction. 
And it doesn't mean there's not detours. It doesn't mean that you don't decide to change directions. But if you don't get in that car and go somewhere, then you're just going to mentally just sit at home and think about these all these what-if scenarios that likely will never happen. You know, and I have client, I had a client who needed an attorney for help. And she's like, Diane, I haven't talked to the attorney for a month and it's a friend and he's not in charge of me and he hasn't gotten back to me and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, this needs to be done by the end of the year. Call that dude. She called him and she's like, you know, he said he just missed my emails. That was all. It wasn't like some big scenario. <laughs> so he wrote the letter. We're, we're back on track doing what we need to do. And she had created this whole short story about why he wasn't helping her anymore. And he's just like, I missed your emails. And like, why do we do that to ourselves? Robin, why do I know, that? stop that, stop that. Yeah, we definitely do that a lot. I, I do that a lot. And I, I actually, this is kind of a, I wasn't, <laughs> this is, might be an inappropriate story. This is why I'm pausing, but um, I, I know I do that for certain things, but one of the things that happened, I actually, um, it was right before I had our positioning yourself for profits event this year. Were you there? That one? No. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, this is, this is, might be something I cut out. Uh, <laughs> but basically I went to, I went to, so I, I just had a baby. So now she's at the time recording now it, she's seven months old. So, you know, this, but the, for the listeners, and uh, I was, I've been breastfeeding her as, as, as you know, and I had, this is what I, I'm, I'm like, just get it out. Just tell us. Get it out. Come on, Robin. A really good example of me being scared to tell you this because it's like, it's kind of weird. It's, it's about my nipple. Okay. It's about my nipple. Um, so I had this tag on now the whole world would know I had a tag on like right in the middle of my nipple, like just, you know, little extra skin on my nipple. Mm -hmm. This was never a problem for breastfeeding. I had this when right when I got pregnant with my son, so he's on, he'll be three soon, and so it's been a long time. It doesn't even bother me. I'm not a very superficial like I don't care. Like my husband doesn't care. It's like it's no big deal. But at one stage, my OBG or OBGYN, whatever, she's basically like, oh, like you could just cut that off. And it's fine. It'll probably bleed a little, but it's okay if the baby has a little bit of blood. It's no big deal. And so I, I've, like she said, I could just cut it off at home. Like I cut it off. Oh, home. Yourself. <laughs> yeah, which, which like, I was like, oh, I don't know that I really want to do that. But like, <laughs> my husband, we sometimes call him Dr. Daddy. He would totally just like nip that off. No problem. Um, but, but no, I decided I was good enough that I did not do that at home. But like at one stage I went back and this was a few months ago, a couple months ago, something. And I went back there and I was like, oh, wow, you're at it since you're here. Like, I'm not going to do this at home, but can you just like do your thing, like clip it off? And she's like, sure. Like we didn't even have a discussion. It wasn't like doctors are usually like, here are the risks, sign on the dotted line. You know, it was just like, oh yeah, no problem. Laid back. She, she cuts it off. It bleeds a tiny, tiny bit. And then, you know, I put a little gauze on it or something and I go home. Of course, I had not anticipated that I was going to do this because it just dawned on me when I was at the OB that I should get this, you know, quick, quickly done. And I hadn't pumped. So it's like, it'd been four hours and like that. And I'm like, not engorged, but all, you know, big breasted, if you will. And, and so I come home and so I'm like, I'm like, oh, I better pump, right? It barely bled when she chopped the thing off. And so there I go. And I'm like, I'm just, I, I start pumping and girl, it was like, I had, 
I had milk on one side and beet juice on the other side. It was bleeding like crazy. It was insane. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, are you like, and it's not that it hurt anything like that, but I'm like, you know, all you think about when you're breastfeeding, like I got to get enough milk to my baby. Right. right and right. so, and we had some frozen, but it's like, how much right. did I really have? I'm working a lot. And so fine. I did that once. No big deal. The next time, I mean, like three, three, four hours later, I do it again, again. And, and when I like took it off for a second, it's like, it's like freaking beetle juice, man. I mean, it's like, like spraying everyone. I was like, crap, like, this is not a little bit of blood. Like, this is the problem. I call my OB and I was like, Hey doc, like this is not normal. Like it's bleeding. And I, what do I do? Because I'm afraid that my milk supply is going to go down. And now I'm thinking like, and, that, and so then, you know, she's like, Oh, I, I didn't expect that to happen. And she's like the coolest OB ever, but I mean, she didn't, I, she's like, I really didn't expect that. And that's all. And so she's like, well, you can do this and that, whatever. She gave me a little advice. I call my cousin who's a lactation consultant. And she was like, Oh, you know, you have to keep, keep uh, pumping or you're going to get mastitis. And so here I am like, and I'm talking about, you were talking about how we start to extrapolate and make all these stories up. And I am like, why did I do that? I can't get it out of my head. I'm so mad at myself because I didn't even care about the stupid thing. And then I'm super upset and I keep thinking, why did I do that? And I keep going back in time. So one thing we do, we're thinking about what the future is going to hold. The other thing we do is we go back in time. What could have been, what could have been, what could have been. You can't get it out of your head. And I'm like, why did I do that? Shouldn't I have done that? If I just hadn't done that, what if I just forgot? Like I should have waited. Why did I even take that chance? I didn't even, you know, and I was so mad at myself. And I, at the time I was running a, a two-day event. It was virtual, but I was running this two-day event. And so of course, like I don't ever not tell anyone anything. And so I'm telling like all the ladies, luckily I just work with women, all about my boob and how I'm like so worried that I'm not going to be able to breastfeed anymore because my, my baby will die from starvation. Yes. And my baby's going to die. And now I'm like, I'm, you know, teaching this whole course and I'm like going back and I'm like, should to, to pump or not to pump, you know, is that is the question because my cousin was like, you can't not pump. And then the OB is like, you got to wait 12 hours. And I'm like freaking out. And I was just, I just kept imagining, oh my God, this is the day where I have lost all ability to feed my baby all because of this stupid tag and this one decision I made that, you know, was the wrong decision. And I'm just beating myself up. And then I told the ladies and I'm like, okay, I'm letting it go. It's fine. Cause I have, this is like, I go through this stuff too. Like my clients are like, Oh, you, you go through that stuff. Like where you're beating yourself up all the time. Yeah. Sometimes it's about business. Sometimes it's about mom. Sometimes like all the other things are being thrown at all the time. And so finally I had to like coach myself, like let it go. Like it is what it is. And I'm sure it'll be fine. And then, you know, of course, like I did 12 hours off and, you know, a couple bleedings into it. Like it, it was fine. And, and my boobs are back. My milk is back. Everything's good. She survived ladies. She survived. It was amazing. But boy, Boy, do we create stories and uh, like you said, fiction stories that never happen. Never happen. And I've learned, I'm a, I'm kind of a sports fan, basketball and football and stuff, but I was watching an interview with a sports person, um, Pat Riley, who um, is the general man, used to be with the Lakers, he's with the Heat now. And he was telling a story about when he was with the Lakers and he had an opportunity to go coach the Knicks in New York City. And all of that whole New York freaking madness that comes with running sports teams in that city. And he was telling the owner of the Lakers, he was telling a story, he says, I was telling him I was scared. And I'll never forget that because I'm like, here's this big time, good 
white dude <laughs> talking about being scared. And that is key. Like they get scared too. And they go and talk to somebody to get over those fears. And that's exactly what you did. You talk to your cousin, you talk to your doctor, you talk to other people, and you're all in your head going crazy. And people are like, Robin, that's freaking ass hysterical, but calm the hell down. Your kid ain't gonna die. You're gonna bleed a little. It's gonna be okay. And, and, you know, that is key. So if there's anything I can encourage any women to do who are listening to this podcast to do is to share. Because if you don't share, if you keep all that freaking madness in your head, head it's going to be this fictionalized story is going to end up terribly. But if you just share, and that's what I didn't do when I was at Merrill Lynch. I didn't share because I because nobody I didn't know anyone else in the industry. So I didn't know I didn't even share that with my friends. How stupid and crazy it was. And I realized that was my biggest mistake. So if I can encourage anyone and everyone, it's like just share what you're going through. As you say, you know, hey, I don't know how to help you, but this is what I hear. And maybe hear some other people that you talk to or this is what's rational about what you're saying. This is what's irrational about what you're saying. And don't worry about it. You can get through it. And I think that is what we don't do all the time. And just get out of our own head and just share with people what you're thinking, what you're, what's going on. Because at the end of the day, and I wrote a blog about it, it's like we ask our clients to tell us the world. Every single thing, like what time do you go to the bathroom almost? And if we're not willing to share that same information about ourselves, then our clients are going to know that. That's going to impact our, our ability to do great work and great business and to help as many people as we possibly can. I mean, that's why you're successful. You tell those crazy stories. I wanted to tell crazy stories. I mean, I checked in on clients at the beginning, ex-clients, you know, who were no longer my financial planning clients. At the beginning of COVID, I reached out to all of these people. And my clients, oh, yeah, Diane, your husband had back problems. Is he doing better? What's up with your mom? Are you I'm like, did I tell people all this? I couldn't even read. It was amazing to me. And, but that's why they became my clients and that's why they listened and did what I told them to do because I was vulnerable and was willing to share and willing to share when I made mistakes when I messed things up and the things I've learned and that helps us I think get over that fear because it helps build camaraderie when we share that we're you're, you realize the judgments that you have in your own head are only your own judgments and they're not the judgments that you that other people are making about you and the people that are making bad judgments you know delete the haters just delete them out of your life there you don't have any time for them 
And I, I mean, I agree hundred percent and this has been awesome. Thank you so much for, for joining me and for bringing this to the ladies. And I think it's true. It's like, I was hesitant about sharing that. And I feel like, oh, that's probably going to be, everyone wants to learn, hear about the boob story. Yeah. It's like, it's like the things you're most scared to tell are the things that people would enjoy because you're being vulnerable, because you're being real and because you're sharing. So thank you for ending it like that and delete the haters, yo, delete the haters. Awesome. So again, thank you so much, Diane Manuel for having us. And thank you all for, for listening and watching. And we will see you next time on Growing Your Financial Business the Woman's Way. Bye. Hey, it's Robin Crane here. And if your big goal is to increase your revenue this year and grow your business, then make sure to attend our next event coming up soon. Go to femalefinancialadvisors.com to learn more about how you can explode your financial business and get more qualified prospects, convert more ideal clients and create your ideal business so you can have your ideal life. Can't wait to see you at the next event. Again, go to femalefinancialadvisors.com to claim your seat so you don't miss out. I'll see you there. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.